1: I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York, and here is your top five at five stocks easing a little bit off the gas pedal after their best day since July. Futures, they are in the red. Did they or didn't they? Investors left in the dark as China's Evergrande Group stays silent on whether they actually made a big payment on their debt boosters for some. The CDC narrowing the scope of who could get another shot. This as cases and hospitalizations drop across America. Fixing the supply chain. President Biden considering a Cold War era law to ease the computer chip crunch and defending their picks. Katz, Link, Johnson and Howard. They are back in our go big or go home special, making you some money with some of the best stock pickers in the biz. All happening right now on this Friday, September 24th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and good Friday, by the way, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us to round out your week. Let's get right to it. Here's how your money and the global markets are setting up their Friday stock futures. They are a bit lower right now. Not a lot, but they are down just over triple digits. All this after the Dow and the S&P rocketed on Thursday, trading surging 506 points of the Dow and 53 on the S&P, respectively, for their best day since July. And if you are keeping score All the major averages now are higher on the week. So unless we fall between three-tenths and a half percent, we're going to end the week higher. Kind of hard to believe given the start to the week that we had. But that's the point about markets and timing. The best days come maybe when you don't expect that and account for a majority of your gains. Now around the world, a banner day of trading for the Japanese Nikkei 225, it rose more than 2% overnight. Nikkei is now up 9% in just one month. It is one of, if not the, best-performing major averages anywhere in the world this year. You go, Japan. Trading in Europe just getting warmed up as investors there await the start of the German general election. Polls open over the weekend. European markets, they are lower across the board. A lot of real fear about the impact of soaring energy prices there. And what might happen to their economy if it's colder than expected and heating bills double or even triple? All right, we'll get more on the markets and your money as always in moments. But right now, let's get some of this morning's top stories, including more on the Evergrande Group saga and whether you'll be getting a COVID booster shot this winter. Christina Partzenevulis is here, Christina. Good to see you. Good Good to see you.
2: Good morning. Happy Friday. So after surging one day prior, shares of Evergrande are sinking once again as the highly indebted Chinese property developer appears to have missed its $83.5 million interest payment, which was due at midnight in New York yesterday or noon on Friday in Hong Kong. The property group, which has not made a statement on the repayment, has a 30-day grace period before any failure to pay officially results in a default. The CDC late yesterday endorsing the distribution of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 booster shots for Americans age 65 and older, those in high-risk occupation settings and those with pre-existing conditions. The move by the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, aligns with what the FDA has recommended earlier this week, but does go against the CDC's own Special Advisory Council, which had voted against giving boosters to people 18 to 65 working or living in high-risk settings. And the White House is once again reportedly suggesting it invoke the Defense Production Act to address the critical semiconductor shortage. According to Bloomberg, the Cold War era law is under consideration as a means of forcing better transparency from companies to ease production bottlenecks and identify potential hoarding of chips. Commercial Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo held a virtual meeting yesterday with executives from Intel, Apple, Ford and GM to discuss this ongoing crisis. Brian?
1: All right, Christina, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you very much. You. For now, as always, let's get back to the markets and your money as stocks look to wrap up what has been another volatile week. And believe it or not, as we said at the top of the show, despite all the turbulence on Monday and Tuesday, the major averages have now been able to claw their way back higher. The question, though, that you no doubt have, what is ahead longer term? We are joined now by Delano Sapporo. He is founder of New Street Advisors. Also a CNBC contributor, Delano, I know you're a longer term investor for your clients, but I mean, it seems pretty impressive that with all the fear at the beginning of this week, markets tanked, the VIX soared, kind of hard to believe we're higher right now. A good lesson in not trying, perhaps, to time the market.
0: Yes, exactly, Brian, and good morning from New York. And thank you for having me. I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. It was a really interesting week, and, and a good lesson to to not always look to time the market, especially in situations where you see a lot of volatility um, as pronounced as we had uh, earlier in this week. As you mentioned, we are now you know back looking to back to be back positive in the week. I think a lot of that is based on you know just a lot of uh, investor buying on in, in the bottom in the bottom of the market where where we saw a little bit of a pullback. And there's a lot of money in the market still. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about what kind of the monetary policies and what. Looking forward, uh, but I think investors in this situation, when you're having this with a lot of liquidity, you want to make sure that you're not timing uh, when you're seeing a lot of pronounced moves in the market. There, Brian.
1: Yeah, let's talk about longer term. You mentioned monetary policy, all right? There's a lot of question marks, maybe around the Fed and some of their timing. We're always trying to like you know break out our thesaurus and figure out exactly what they what they're trying to say. A lot of question about corporate earnings growth. It's been red hot. Will it slow down? Yeah. What's going to happen with, you know, COVID going forward? There's a lot of question marks out there as there, as there normally are to be fair. But should we prepare as investors for slower growth, either corporate earnings or GDP or see all the above?
0: Exactly right. Yes, there has been a slowdown in projections of, of growth. Right, We're seeing GDP being revised downward. Uh, we're seeing estimates on, on the S&P 500 uh, for EPS uh, growth rate change to be revised downward as well. And so investors, I don't know how much of that is already priced in. Um, so investors want to do a couple of things. One, continue to stay, keep your allocation in your defensive positions where you'd like them to be. And also, if you have high conviction, some of the growth names and some of the companies that are maybe higher margin could combat some of the things we're whether it's COVID variants, we're seeing supply bottle chain issues. Um, you want to stay in high and put new money to work in those areas. So I think investors should brace for a little bit of kind of this exuberance to, to kind of slow down and maybe some of that's priced in, but if not all of it's priced in, make sure your portfolio um, has that uh, clearly spelled out.
1: All right, Delano, you said defensive positioning. What does that mean to you? Where should our viewers be positioned right now?
0: 100%. So Brian, I-, I think. One, utilities is always a great place to go. And then that's obviously your low beta. And when you're seeing these pronounced moves, that's going to have the smallest amount of changes uh, as, as opposed to some of your high beta areas. And so you want to have your allocations there in utilities, in real estate. Um, I think real estate is a great place to be in, in s- situations like this because one, you're looking at demand. We're still talking about a hot real estate market, um, and that's something that pricing can be passed on, especially for a lot of these real estate companies, And that demand and pricing power can be passed on. So I like staying in the real estate sectors and utilities when we're looking for defensive positions. Also, healthcare and pharmaceuticals is a good place to be as well, Brian.
1: All right. Good stuff there. Real world advice. Watch the utilities. A lot of question marks the last couple of months. Delano Sapporo, New Street Advisors. Delano, thanks for getting up early. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Take care.
0: Thank you. You Oh,
1: you're very welcome. All right. And we are just getting going on a Friday morning when we come back. Nike nicked by closed factories and supply chain woes. But could this potentially change Nike or other companies for the better longer term? Stacey Widlitz is here to weigh in on that. Plus, the Empire State to the rescue for thousands of gig economy workers. We'll tell you how. Later on, it is our exclusive insider buying segment. And we have got a big $21 million insider buy from a board member of a retailer? That's right. The name and the top five. All ahead, Dow Futures, they're down a bit. You're watching Wex. We're back right after this.
3: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
2: Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Writers click, click, click. block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work.
1: All right. Welcome or welcome back. It is time now for your big money movers. And today it is four key stock stories of the morning. Here we go. Stock number one, Costco. Fourth quarter earnings and sales did beat forecast. Same store sales rising more than nine percent. But Costco saying higher labor and shipping costs combined with port delays and a shortage of containers. What have we been talking about Are impacting the price of goods and holy hoarding? Costco now limiting toilet paper buying because once again, people, for some reason, are panic purchasing toilet paper, paper towels, whatever. Don't do that. It's not March of 2020. Stock number two IAC Interactive, the Wall Street Journal reporting Barry Diller's companies in advance talks to buy Meredith, a publisher of things like People, Better Homes and Gardens, and other magazines. The deal is expected to be worth more than $2.5 billion. Stock story number three, the New York City Council proving a first-in-the-country measure that would guarantee minimum pay and regulate working conditions for gig workers. At companies like DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, and other deliveries, New York has been leading the charge to regulate these companies as residents have been relying more on delivery more than ever. All right, and stock number four, Apple, the new iPhones officially going on sale today. And most tech reviewers saying the iPhone 13 is just an incremental upgrade over the 12. In other words, maybe not a must-have. But early demand does look positive. Analysts estimates that pre-orders are running at about 20% ahead of last year's iPhone 12 models. Though, I guess, kind of hard to compare anything to last year. Well, that brings us now to Nike. Nike stock down as North American sales dropped because they simply couldn't get products to the market. In fact, about 50 percent of the production in Vietnam is offline. Now, on their conference call last night, the company telling analysts and investors it is, quote, not immune to the global supply chain headwinds, adding the situation has deteriorated even further than in the first quarter and transit times will remain elevated For the balance of fiscal 2022 on that, Nike is also slashing its full year forecast, expecting full year sales to remain in the single mid single digits compared to last year. Let's bring in Stacey Widlitz now. You know, Stacey, we've been I've been at the ports. Uh, You know, we've talked we've shown giant ships and said, hey, look at this container. Here's the problem. That was back in February. People said, hey, why at the ports? This is why. These supply chain problems, despite what Jay Pal and others can talk about transitory, Nike is not saying they are transitory. This is a big deal. It is a huge deal, Brian, because what
4: we
5: have seen is not only our companies have these massive supply shortages, but now shipping delivery times are twice what they used to be. So, what are they doing? They're raising prices. And as we know, in the past, you and I have talked about when brands raise prices, those are sticky. So some of this inflation, particularly on consumer goods products, is not transitory, in my opinion. But, you know, the good news is that Nike is starting to wean the consumer off of these nonstop discounts that we've been talking about for years on end. So full price selling and higher margins are here to stay.
1: Yeah, and this is a really interesting point, Stacy. about, you know, and I tweeted last night about whether or not this will change the way companies think about where they make stuff. Could it be a return to the United States? Could it be uh, a seismic shift in how they fundamentally think about making and selling stuff? When you look at the bigger picture for Nike and you're in their boardroom and a fly on the wall, what, is Nike, what are Nike executives saying about the way they do business for years or decades to come?
5: Well, and, and that's the big challenge here is everybody's trying to figure out how do we shrink our lead times. And by the way, COVID has forced a lot of companies to accelerate and shrink those lead times doing things like 3D design. Um, so that's helped. There there have been a lot of technology leaps over the past 18 months. But we have to still consider that the average manufacturing pay per hour in Vietnam is like three bucks. In the U.S., it's 20 bucks. So if you're going to move your facilities to the U.S., your cost structure is going to change drastically. So right now, companies are chasing. They are flying stuff. They are chasing. They're going to end up selling fall stuff for holiday Um, You know, this is not going to normalize, Nike is saying, until June. That's a long time away.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I believe that June is after at least this coming Christmas, maybe not the next one in 2022. I mean, any chance that Nike or other companies, Stacey, simply say, you know what, enough of this BS, no offense to my initials. Let's start making this stuff in America. Is that even possible or is there no way with labor costs and manufacturing that 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 could ever happen?
5: I think that a portion and a lot of the innovation labs and things are moving into the states. But in terms of moving your manufacturing completely here, I mean, it's a cost pressure. That's the bottom line here. So I I don't see that happening in a huge way. But I you know, I think there are, um, again, innovations that they're using to accelerate and cut costs in other areas. And the other thing I think you have to think about is the wholesale channel here. You know, don't forget about Foot Locker. Nike is going to prioritize the good inventory for themselves. And now the acceleration to DTC, their own brand, selling through their own channels, accelerates. And the wholesale guys are the ones like Foot Locker who perhaps get left a little short on inventory this holiday. So buy your toilet paper and Mm -hmm. your shoes early.
1: Yeah, don't hoard, by the way, as, as apparently people are, you know, we've gone insane, they're doing that again. You're saying direct-to-consumer, DTC, in other words, do, you don't need to buy the shoe at a Foot Locker. Nike just may use this as an excuse to their vendors to say, you know what, we're going to start selling it on our website, directly from Brian to Stacy. And it's more profitable for them to do that. See, the fundamental shift in the way companies think about business because of the pandemic. Stacy Whitlet, always a pleasure to have you on, Thank my you. friend. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll Thank see you. you soon. Take care. All right. Still on deck. A big end to a big week. Our special stock pickers this week are back. All of them to recap and debate their stock picks. We are back right after this.
7: Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Philip Menna. Here are your headlines. Police in Tennessee have searched an apartment near the Kroger supermarket where a deadly shooting took place Thursday. Officials did not confirm if that was the residence of the shooter who killed one person and injured 13 others before taking his own life. Authorities are trying to find out whether the shooter was fired from his job yesterday. The House Committee investigating the January 6th riots at the Capitol has issued its first subpoenas. They are targeting four high-level aides and advisors from the Trump administration who are working in or communicating with the White House. They are being asked to give sworn depositions to the committee in mid-October and to hand over any communications involving January 6th and the days leading up to the riot at the Capitol. The committee sent a letter to former Trump aide Dan Scavino saying that he was with the former president on January 5th when he and others were considering how to convince members of Congress not to certify the election. And the letter to former strategist Steve Bannon said that he was quoted as stating on January 5th that all hell is going to break loose tomorrow. In a lengthy statement, former President Trump called the committee highly partisan and vowed to fight the subpoenas on executive privilege and other grounds. Finally this morning, Nintendo has leveled up, announcing an all-star cast for their upcoming animated Super Mario movie. Guardians of the Galaxy star Chris Pratt will be popping out of the warp pipe as Mario. Jack Black will voice Mario's arch-rival Bowser, and Anya Taylor-Joy is Princess Peach. The movie jumps into theaters Christmas week next year. Brian, they also have Charlie Day in it. He'll be playing Luigi. Seth Rogen is in it. I mean, the names go on and on. Truly an all-star cast.
1: I'm just going to ask you this. It's a little bit of a personal question. How's your Super Mario Kart game? I mean, honestly, like, if, we, if you and I met up, like, are you picking <laughs> Bowser with the go-kart? Like, what's, what's happening here?
7: I, I think you got me, Brian, me on. on Mario Kart. I'm yeah. still with the old school, the, the, the first Super Mario Brothers, you know? I'm not really much on the, on the go-kart, so I think you'll have me every time.
1: Well, I, I would anyway, but, yeah. No, I, I'll do the old school as well. Just let's not hurt any Turtles with Sledgehammers. Anytime, Brian.
7: Anytime. (laughs) All right, buddy.
1: Have a great weekend, my friend. Take care. Up your game. All right, coming up, Cats, Link, Johnson, and Howard. No, it is not some new avant-garde jazz band. It is our all-star stock pickers. They are back to discuss, maybe debate their stock picks all this week. Special two-parter on our special series, Dow Futures Down Triple Digits. We're back right after this. A volatile end to a volatile week. Futures, they are down once again after Thursday's big surge. Did they or didn't they? Questions remain as to whether China's Evergrande Group actually made their big interest payment due yesterday. Shares are down once again. And get ready to go big or just go home. Our expert panel defending their picks for the best stock plays for the fourth quarter. It is all happening on this Friday, September 24th. This is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back. Good Friday morning, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. All right, all of that coming up, including... Our exclusive weekly insider buying rundown, the top five stocks bought the most by their C-suite executives. And by the way, this week, that includes one huge $21 million buy at a retailer. The name coming up. But first, let's get a look at Friday futures and futures. Kind of like Monday, but not to that extent. They are in the red. We are down across the board of the Dow, down just over triple digits. We are, though, coming off a very nice bounce back on Thursday for the Dow and the S&P 500. In fact, it was those two averages' best day since all the way back in July. Remember July? The S&P 500 with its biggest two-day gain in two months. And here is a random but interesting stat. 17 S&P 500 stocks rose over 5% on Thursday, led by some big jumps in Devon Energy, Salesforce.com, APA, Schlumberger, And Darden, so three oil companies, one software and one all-you-can-eat pasta bowl, some of the leading stocks of Thursday. All right, we do have some breaking news moments ago, actually, on crypto. New comments from China's central bank that it will crack down on what it calls illegal activities around cryptocurrencies. They are banning overseas exchanges from providing services to mainland investors via, you know, the Internet. The People's Bank of China also said it will bar banks, payment companies, and internet companies from facilitating cryptocurrency trading and will strengthen monitoring. That is a fancy way of basically saying cryptocurrency trading is over, it is illegal, and we will go after our banks or other companies if they allow it. It is a big hit to crypto from the world's second biggest economy. That news just coming from the People's Bank of China. That is going to be a big story all day long on CNBC. And on that, we are seeing Bitcoin turning negative. It was negative before, but maybe it's going to roll over a little bit more as well. You got to watch shares of companies like Coinbase, any company that allows or facilitates trading, trading companies, banks, internet companies, China says they are coming for you. Just another example of the of the Heavy-handed, no other lack of better term for it, regulatory crackdown that China is having across all businesses lately. A big story there, something to watch on crypto all day long. All right, we'll get more on that, I'm sure, later on through the day. But right now, let us get some of this morning's other top stories in the market. Christina Partsinevolos is here. Christina what are some of this morning's other top stories?
2: Well, I'm going to start with politics, because House Democrats are trying to push ahead mm. President Biden's $3.5 trillion spending package. They're planning a budget committee meeting for today or tomorrow on individual parts of the bill. This is all procedural and could set up a full House vote as soon as next week. Wynn Resort's CEO says his company is seeing a spike in reservations from international consumers. Matthew Maddox is speaking to Jim Cramer on Mad Money last night.
4: We've never experienced the type of business that we're seeing right now in Las Vegas and in Boston. It's extraordinary. And we're seeing that without international travel. Just this week when it was announced that if you you can come to the United States, if you're vaccinated, we had reservations from the UK spike from effectively zero to hundreds a day. People are wanting to come to Las Vegas and have a good time.
2: I'd go there. And Congress is ready to grill Facebook over the impact of the social media platform on teens' mental health. Facebook, global's head of safety, is expected to appear before a Senate panel next Thursday. This all comes after a Wall Street Journal report suggests Facebook had knowledge that its platforms had a negative impact on young users, but hasn't done much to deal with the problem. And, Brian, as of late, it seems like Facebook is still moving ahead with that uh, Instagram platform for children. They haven't said that they're not going to do it.
1: Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah. All parents, I'm sure, yeah, should be allowed to chime in. Uh, Christina parson Christina, thank you very much. See you in a bit. Appreciate Thanks. it. Wow, Instagram for kids. All right, now it is time for something extra, capping off week one of our Go Big or Go Home special two-week series. Now, this week, if you have not tuned in, and we're not upset if you didn't, we had four excellent stock pickers, all with some unique names for your Buying consideration heading into the end of the year. We have Tower Stephanie Link. She recommended Cisco, Prudential, and Expedia. Matrix's David Katz with Qualcomm, U.S. Bank Corp, and Viacom. Vance Howard of Howard Capital Management says he likes Lululemon, Paycom, and Intel. And yesterday, Piper Sandler's Craig Johnson making the case for Simrex Energy, Unity, Biotechni, and Methanex. So let us welcome, we, ra- we called them up woke them all up, and I'm bringing them back in very early to discuss, debate, and talk about it more. If you missed this, everybody, thank you so much. I know the hours are a little tough, but guess what? We love you for it and do appreciate it. Uh, Stephanie, kick us off here. If people missed you at the beginning of the week, uh, did you get any pushback, you know, on Fast Money or from viewers on, you know, the, quote, social media about your picks, Cisco, Prudential, any of them?
8: No. And in fact, on Expedia we had a good comments from the CEO yesterday on CNBC. Wow. who talked about searches being twice t- t- searches being twice that week over week in the UK since travel restrictions were are going to be lifted. And we just heard Winds comments as well from the UK saying reservations went from nothing to hundreds. So I think Expedia is a really interesting story. It was a good week for the stock. Um, it's a reopened name. I think the reason I feel so confident in the name is because bookings were up 32% in the second quarter. So that just gives me visibility. Prudential, we talked about made mainly fairly new management and kind of shrinking to grow, doing asset sales. Uh, and they and they sold 17% of their variable annuity book last week. That's four, three to 4% accretive. Uh $2.2 billion, And guess what? They announced a real estate joint venture this week. And then Cisco, also a pretty decent week. It's enterprise spend recovery, right? And again, the reason I feel good about it is because the bookings in the quarter were up 41 percent. Orders in the quarter were wow. up 41 percent. And I just feel good about them having an analyst day last week and reiterating all of their financial targets. And the stock is trading at a 20 percent discount. So, no, not a lot of pushback. Brian kind of excited about that.
1: Yeah you know no it's it's all right it's probably a good thing because we got all the COVID headlines of course we just did a story Vance about for some reason people are hoarding toilet paper again I, I just I, I don't understand it but whatever <laughs> yeah I'm going to Vegas next weekend I'm going to LA in three weeks barely could get a seat on a plane travel is booming you got any beef Vance Howard with Stephanie's Expedia pick
4: I like the trade a lot, man. I, I really do like it. It's one of my favorites out of the panel that we've got. I think it's going to do wonderful in the last quarter of the year, this year, and I think it's going to do wonderful in 2022. 20, uh, but, you know, I, I've loved Jets. You know, Brian, I've been telling you to buy Jets, which is the ETF of all the airline stocks. And, man, it took off yesterday like a rocket. And we're having a lot of fun with that trade. But I think Expedia is a wonderful pick.
1: Thanks. Yeah, coming, well, not like a rocket, Vance, coming off like a like a jet, perhaps. Anybody, David or Craig, I'll just throw it out there as well. I can't see us so just kind of just jump in. Do you, do you guys think that, maybe not Expedia, but travel in general is a good bet?
3: We think travel is basically going to come back. The real key is pay attention to valuation because a lot of the stocks have run in advance of business coming back. But we definitely believe the world is normalizing. The consumer wants to get out, so that area of the business is going to do well. And, and we also like Expedia. And in terms of Stephanie speaks, we we love Cisco. We think it's one of the few technology companies that has not rallied nearly as much over the last twelve months. Uh, so Stephanie, you know, we're we're in line with a lot of the same thinking.
4: Thanks. You know, Brian,
6: I would also <laughs> I would add into this discussion, in, Brian, that when you come. When you come back and you look at the charts, there's no question that the reopening trade is still a theme that uh, investors are looking to play. And Expedia has had a very nice day over the last couple days. And you just need a little bit more wood to shop to reverse that longer term downtrend. And then I think you can have an even stronger move. Same thing with Jets. And so the question really comes down to can we get enough momentum in the reopening trade? And that's probably Brian, as we looked at some of the names we brought in, things in the energy patch and also in the basic materials, we're still thinking that the real economy is going to pick up. We're going to get a surge, and we're going to see some of these basic material names really pick up and be strong. And I think that's going to be a new theme going forward in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, Craig, and we'll stick with you. I want you to comment on one of Vance's picks, and that was Intel. And, uh, you know, semiconductors, obviously, they are hotly traded through the SOX index. Uh, They're kind of a leading indicator, supply chain problems, all that stuff. Do you have a point of view Uh, Vance recommended Intel, Craig. Do you have a point of view technically Mm -hmm. on an Intel or any of the other semiconductor names?
6: Sure, so first and foremost, I think the semiconductor space looks great. When we go through and we look at our work that we're doing, the relative strength inside of uh, the semiconductors, not only the the semiconductors but also the equipment still remains quite strong. And as I look at uh, the price of Intel and the relative strength of Intel, I think it should also be bought along with the SOX index itself. It's uh, certainly looking very good. Going to be a lot of CapEx coming up with Intel with these new fabs they're going to build in Arizona. But I think it's the right place to be, and I think it's a a very constructive-looking stock.
1: Yeah, Stephanie and Craig was recommending some of the oil names, not all of them, because he sold Pioneer, but he bought Simarex Energy as well. You know, oil and gas, I'm kind of talking my space, though, for obvious reasons. That has been a hot take. Do you own or would you own any of these smaller mid-cap oil or gas producers, Stephanie?
8: Yeah, well, I own Diamondback Energy, and I actually added to it last week, just on one of those sloppy days, because we know we get our chances on these names. Um, I think Simrex is super interesting, too. Uh, it's had a nice run, but it's, it's still very, very cheap. So I think it's an interesting play. I like Diamondback because they have an accelerated $2 billion buyback program that they just announced. Um, they're lowering debt. They're lowering CapEx. They're increasing production. And I think for, for Craig, I have a question for you. Do you think that we're going to start to see CapEx, because prices are higher, do you actually think that we're going to start to see? CapEx, see capex actually reverse if we've seen it decline which is very disciplined do you think though given the higher prices we're going to start to see capex increase because that would be i think the death knell for the group
6: Right. And Stephanie, what I would say is I think the answer is ultimately yes. I've been very impressed by the capital discipline across the entire uh, energy patch so far. But when you start looking at four or five dollar nat gas prices and the fact that uh, we are trying to move more toward a green sort of energy production in this country, and nat gas would fit into that in a better way than coal would, I think you will definitely see uh, those productions start to come back.
1: Yeah, unless, unless in Europe where uh, coal production is, they're desperately trying to come back online because of some of the, the heating concerns. Stephanie, Craig, Vance, David, we have got part two of our special roundtable panel coming up in just a few minutes. We'll get some of David's picks as well, some commentary. Sit tight, guys. Grab another cup of coffee. We'll be back with these guys just in a couple of minutes. Coming up, though, it is Friday, so that means it's time for a WEX fan favorite our weekly exclusive look at the top five insider buys of the week, including a giant $21 million buy on a retail stock. The names and our roundtable debate all to come. Dow futures they are down a touch. We're back right after this. Time now for our weekly special insider buying segment, something you will only see here on WEX where we highlight the top five companies that had the most buying by their corporate insiders in the past week. And today, there is one really big buy and one of the biggest that we have seen. It's a retailer. So let us now kick it off. And as always, we are counting you down five to one. All right. The fifth most insider buying this week is Martin Transport, a board member buying $226,000 worth. And that is a rare insider buy at the trucking company. They have not had many. Stock number four is Trincio, a board member who, by the way, also happens to be the CEO of Church & Dwight, buying $242,000 worth of the latex and specialty rubber company. Third most insider buying at Enterprise Product Partners, EPD. a CEO that pipeline company coming in for the second time this year with a buy of $520,000. By the way, the CEO has bought over $7 million worth of EPD stock. Since becoming an insider. Number two, Oscar Health. An exactly $1 million purchase from the CEO, who, by the way, was a seller at their IPO earlier this year. Made a bundle of money. So using that, some of that money anyway, to come back in and actually buy more of OSCR. But the most insider buying this week is a biggie. And it's at the retailer DSW Shoe Warehouse. Now, the parent company is called Designer Brands, and its chairman is stepping up with a big $21.3 million buy. Now, do note, he also bought $12.5 million worth of stock back in March, when many retailers were still beaten up. His name is Jay Schottenstein. So Schottenstein making a very, very big bet, what, 33 plus million bucks? on his own company this year. So DBI, Designer Brands, certainly a name to watch. There you go. Your top five, Martin Transport, Trinzio, Enterprise Product Partners, Oscar Health, and Designer Brands. Our thanks, as always, InsiderScore.com for the data. And keep in mind, these stocks have largely outperformed the broader market. In fact, they're up an average of 22% this year, and 17 have doubled in the past year. Doesn't mean they've doubled since we brought you the names. But it does mean insiders have had pretty good timing for majority of these stocks. All right, as we head to break, we're going to get back with our special panel in just a minute, talking more about their stock picks. But let's also remember it is Hispanic Heritage Month. And all month long, we're going to highlight some of our friends, colleagues, contributors, anchors, reporters. And here is former Goldman Sachs CFO, Marty Chavez
7: in his own place. My mom always told me Spanish was important. I thought, yeah, right, I'm a computer scientist. One day, I'm doing my computer science. I was a quant on the trading desk at Goldman Sachs. Boss comes by and says, hey, Marty, someone told me you speak Spanish. I need you to go to Buenos Aires day after tomorrow, talk to our clients in Spanish about risk management that single moment got me out into the world, changed everything for me on Wall Street.
5: Thank you, mom. China had started on this process of allowing more corporate defaults in the past. The surprise is that Evergrande is one of the largest ones. And I do think that, um, you know, Evergrande could be used as an example of what happens when companies, you know, become too big and aggressive in the bond issuing and investing.
0: There's a lot of risks. So To keep going down these other ways of of essentially scaring the private sector, both domestically and overseas, strikes me to be surprisingly risky. Uh, And I can only think it relates to some belief they have that they need to be serious about making Chinese uh, wealth increase be a bit more equal. When they start playing
6: with interest rates, then they're talking about inflation, inflation, which is really the big fear for retirees. Maybe they're starting to realize there's some stickiness to this inflation risk. Uh, And while they're happy right now, I think that's going to be a big story in 2022 that we're all going to have to watch.
8: Options market sentiment up until recently has been very glum. Uh, it's really been more demand for hedges. And those trades are ones we
5: are actually seeing more and more investors doing. They're monetizing those downside hedges and they're actually reversing. They're buying calls, they're buying call spreads. They're essentially expressing
8: much more bullish sentiment that we've seen in a while.
1: All right. All right. Welcome back here. Let's get to uh, part two of our special series Go Big or Go Home. We've got some. Some great stock picks all week long from our esteemed panel. You see there, we got Stephanie Link, Craig Johnson, David Katz, and Vance Howard. Uh, David, I want to start with you on this round here. I'll go to uh, uh, Alice in the center square. Let's talk about uh, U.S. Bank Corp. Because and then I want Craig to respond because not only Banky knows, it's in his backyard in Minneapolis, Minnesota. David, if our viewers missed it, what is it about USB? It's not just a computer cable. It's also a good stock ticker. What about U.S. Bank Corp? do you like right now? And then, Craig, I want you to respond.
3: So they actually had a good week. We talked about it on Tuesday morning. Uh, shortly after we spoke, they announced a fairly major acquisition of Union Bank on the West Coast. It's going to be about 6 to 8% accretive. So we think it's a very good shareholder-oriented move. That on top of its low valuation, on top of the fact that they're going to be a significant beneficiary by higher rates. You're starting to see that this week. Uh, stock has bounced nicely, but we think it has a lot more upside.
6: And then, Brian, I would add in, we're overweight to financials. I'm all in on uh, David's U.S. Bank here. And from my perspective, just looking at the chart, I can see the relative strength is nicely picking up. And I can also see the recent downtrend reversal. So setting the stock up to go back to the highs, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's one that we should definitely be buying in the financial sector.
1: All right, liking it there. You know, Vance, you recommended a stock. And we've talked a lot about this reopening trade. Unfortunately, we've talked about a lot of people... Uh, you know, millions of Americans have reported that maybe their, their body shape has changed. I'm trying to be polite for saying they gained weight. I mean, tens of millions of Americans have gained, you know, 25 pounds or more. They're going to need a new wardrobe. We've all kind of gotten loosey-goosey in the way that we have dressed the last year and a half. Does that fall into your Lululemon uh, thesis, or is it something completely different? And then, Stephanie, I want you to comment on Lulu. Sure.
4: I, I, like I said, I love the stock. I love the stock. And, uh, you know, my, I asked my wife last night at dinner. She wore stretchy pants, and she said she did. She runs in them every morning. <laughs> but the, the, I think the, the beautiful part of this trade is the chart pattern looks wonderful to us. It's a great breakout story. And anybody that's like buying Lululemon, just, you know, they need to ride this trade to the end because this one's got a lot of legs to it. You know, follow it up with a 15-day moving average or the 50 and, and, and you know, on any pullback be buying this trade. But I, I like the stock a lot. I think it's interesting. Interesting play, and um, and I, I did get a kick out of the fact you were calling it stretchy pants. I got a lot of comments on that the other day.
1: <laughs> Stephanie?
8: So... I, I, I love Lulu. I love the product. My 14-year-old has more Lulu than I do, and all of her friends have it. Uh, my husband has it, and that's a, big the- that's a big theme, the men's business. And they expect to double this business over the coming years. They have a huge international presence, and they're increasing that presence. So I would say it's a great story, but perhaps maybe we get a better buying opportunity if, in fact, they have the same supply chain issues that Nike, he had and talked about yesterday. It's not cheap. It's 58 times forward estimates. That's my only beef with this thing, because I think everything else is really humming along. I've owned it in the past. I don't own it now. Uh, But I'm kind of hoping we get a a look on the supply chain disruptions and maybe you get a break in the name and you get you get a buying opportunity.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, look what Nike said. They're not going to have normalization maybe until the middle of next year because of all those dislocations. You know, this is a real deal. Nike shares down, by the way. David Katz, I'll go back to you. Uh, and then I want someone to comment on, on, on some of these names that, that you have liked. Uh, Qualcomm. Again, going back to semiconductors, David, I feel like Qualcomm is like the forgotten giant. I mean, they were in this IP patent litigation with Broadcom for like a decade They're finally out of that, yet they don't seem to get the attention that a lot of other companies do. Why not? And what is it about Qualcomm that you like right now?
3: Well, we like that they have a great franchise. They are the guts of the communication part of all cell phones. They're going to be expanding into automobiles, industrial products. And you're exactly right. They've had a good run over the last year, but nowhere near as much as other semiconductor companies. So we think there's a lot of potential for people to jump aboard. 5G is going to be a huge trend, and um, they should be riding it, and you're getting it at about 16 times earnings.
1: Craig, I'm going to put you on the spot because I know you're good like that. Your, your by the way, informed investor book is like 500 pages every quarter. I don't know how you do it. Uh, Stephanie also recommended uh, Prudential as part of her picks. Do mm-hmm. you got a view kind of uh, – you, you referenced U.S. Bancorp. Do you got to view on Prudential, new management, kind of a new strategy, kind of a reset for the company, any view – on PRU. PRU looks constructive as I've
6: looked at all these charts, Brian, and I will tell you that again, I like the financial sector. Uh, To me, it looks like we're going to see rates uh, work their way higher. Our view has been 150 to 175 by year end. And I think you're going to see all these uh, financial related companies continue to outperform. And I think Prudential is going to fit into that perfectly. So I like that stock. And again, that's another one I think should be bought.
1: Wow, there we go. A lot of love. And by the way, none of this was planned. I want our viewers to know that. Craig, we're just, you know, Vance, David, Stephanie, we're just throwing you guys on the spot because we know you can handle it, and that's why we love you. Thank you for being a part of our Go Big or Go Home series this week, guys. We'll let you get a cup of coffee or go back to bed, whatever you want to do. Stephanie, Craig, Vance, and David, <laughs> thank you all very much.
3: Thanks a lot. Have well, a thanks. great when week. When I say
1: go back to thank bed, I'm, I'm saying that for a friend. All right, our special series Rolls on next week. We've got Jenny Harrington, Katie Stockton, Kate Battis, and Richard Stapperstein as well. We're going to get their picks. Then we'll do the same thing, kind of recap. It's some really good names, you guys. And by the way, if you missed any interviews, they're on our website, cmbccom slash Worldwide Exchange. Well, that does it for us here on WEX on a Friday. Hope you had a great week. Have a great weekend. We will see you on Monday. Squawk Box is next.